Pittsburgh Penguins will play hockey this week. They will play the Colorado Avalanche on Tuesday at PBG Paints Arena, and then they will go to the West Coast take on the California teams, and then they'll play the Islanders. I have Andrew Destin here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette to preview that massive road trip in the game against Colorado and get his thoughts on Ron Hextall. That's all coming up right after this drop. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. More to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, Eleanor Store Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. You can visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Joining me now, a first-time guest for this show, um, Andrew Dustin of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Andrew, really glad I could have you on for this one. And you know, you got to see a pretty long practice today. It looked like when I was refreshing my Twitter page as I was working today, don't really think I've seen them have over an hour-long practice. I think this just goes to show that they want these struggles really cleaned up coming out of the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, I've been on this beat since the beginning of December, and this was by far the longest one I've been to. And uh, it was everything you could think of from the hockey manual, right? I mean, they were working your five-on-four power plays. They were working breakouts. And, you know, even a modified version of just a good old-fashioned scrimmage, which you never see in a normal practice setting. So, uh, you could see it. I mean, uh, you go to back to yesterday's practice on Sunday evening. Um, you know, we're, Mike Sullivan was talking about it after the practice, and he was saying this is an opportunity for us to hit the reset button. And you can tell there was a lot of emphasis on just cleaning things up, like you mentioned there, Hunter. And uh, the team seemed pretty engaged these last two days. And I'm curious to see what the attendance will be like for the morning skate before tomorrow's game against Colorado, just because this was such an intense practice today. I wouldn't be surprised to see – a lot of guys, whether it's the vets or whatnot, take some uh, take some much needed time off before the game because uh, today was an intense one, and it seems like there was a lot of intention to detail there. And uh, curious to see how that uh, transpires coming out of the break because this is a team that you know whatever script you want to use, you could say that they were able to eke out a couple of wins and sneak a few points across in losses, or you could say it's a team that was on the downside in need of an All Star break. Whatever narrative you want to use. Uh, they need to come out firing coming here out of the all-star break. And you can tell in practice the last couple of days, that was definitely a point of emphasis was that energy and uh, maybe some reinforcements coming along the way too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it looks like Kasperi Kappen and Josh Archibald will probably be coming back. You know, we're going to get to that in just a second, which means there's only two injured players left, which is, you know, honestly a miracle when, when it comes to this team with how bad their injury luck has been in right. brutal years. I know Andrew, you know, you're new to the beat here. It's just the Penguins injury curse knows no bounds. I'm sure you've seen it out on the West Coast and stuff. It yep. is it's brutal. But, you know, hopefully that cleans itself up a little bit here in the second half. But, you know, not to overshadow that, um, Ron Hexall came out of his cave yesterday, finally spoke to the media for the first time in, wow, it feels like <laughs> a year, but I think it was only just a few months. Um, last time it was, I um, believe it was when Crystal Tang had a stroke he came and spoke to the media. But before that, in terms of the overall team, don't think he really spoke to the media since the beginning of the season. Um, looked like it was just kind of a state of the, of the state of the union address, Andrew. Um, what did you make of Ron Hextall's presser? And, you know, what did you take? What were the main takeaways that you took out of it? 
Yeah, probably the biggest one that, you know, just to start with is that this is a team that, you know, this is something Penguin fans probably don't want to hear. They want to hear their general manager being bold and aggressive, you know, those types of buzzwords that you hear thrown around in franchises, organizations. Um, I think this is a team that for the most part, barring any smaller kind of transactions, the move from Ron Hextel was, I'm happy with my group. I like the team that I've got on paper, and I know that one's got you shaking your head, but uh, given the cap situation with what this team has, given some of the contracts they've dealt out to um, older guys, as well as some contracts that they've dealt out to the likes of a Kasperi Kapanen or what Brock McGinn's current contract is, you know, there are some guys that, you know, who maybe in a normal situation or on another team would be viewed as potential movable parts, movable pieces. Uh, it's going to be really hard and really difficult to do with this squad without, you know, attaching something onto it that would be desirable for another team. But then Ron Hextall made the point of saying that I'm not going to attach uh, a first round draft pick on a trade and a salary dumping kind of move, uh, which is another big takeaway for me is that this is a team that's kind of out of flux. Uh, it doesn't really know what it wants to do in terms of win now above all else or plan ahead for five years down the line. I think it's kind of trying to toe that line, which, you know, sounds great in theory. We've seen teams across all sports do that, uh, that at least say that. Uh, but it's, you know, easier said than done when you've got some legitimate franchise superstars to lean on, which this Penguins team does. But everybody needs help, especially for across your four forward lines, across your defensemen, and across an 82-game season. There's 33 of these to go. And uh, the, the mood to me was, hey, I'm Ron Hextel. I like my team. We just got to get healthy. And once that squad, the one that I've put together, is healthy, then it can run. Then we can see what this team has. The problem is you've only got – three weeks, two and a half weeks and change until the trade deadline. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to find out pretty soon. What do you think of your team? And, you know, even if maybe you are a seller, which he seemed to be uh, adamantly opposed to, and I know most Penguins fans would be too. But that's a reality you might have to confront too. Uh, if this stretch of February games really does go south, or if, you know, Tristan Jari can't come back from injury, and then you're really facing the prospect of what are you pushing for if you don't even have your starting netminder? Yeah, you know, he's really the, you know, the the glue that makes this go because if he's healthy, you know, they can win a lot of games in front of him. I believe the record this year it's something like 16 and 5 and 3, somewhere around those lines when he's healthy, yep. when he's not, you know, they struggle whether it's Casey DeSmith or Dustin Okarski. You know, I'm sorry, you know, I, I put the meme out there on my Twitter that, you know, I, I saw the part where he said, you know, I like our team on paper and I'm like, I have that meme of Wong and the the other what I don't remember her name from Marvel and it's just like why are you lying because I know you can't be sitting there and thinking that you actually do like the way the team is constructed when healthy especially in the bottom six when so many of these guys are just not producing I did also see it sounded like Andrew that he kind of wants to make a change it, it sounded like he wants to make a deal um before the deadline um I will agree with him you know because I've been pretty critical of him this season and just his overall tenure I think Outside of keeping the core and Ricard Raquel and a couple other moves, I don't think he's made the best of moves. He's kind of just, you know, he's made the bottom six worse, I would say, over the last couple of years. But, you know, he he has had a couple of good deadlines. I want to see that here again. But, you know, I just don't think he can really sit there and be like, oh, I like my team. I want to see when they're healthy. When, you know, a lot of the forwards outside of the top six, well, the top six has been pretty healthy this season, but even some of the forwards in the bottom six have been healthy, like Jeff Carter, like Brock McGinn, like Danton Heinen, but they're not scoring. Brock McGinn was shooting 18%. 
look where he is now. Jeff Carter has four goals this season, basically. He's a ghost every night. Danton Heinen scores once in a blue moon. Ryan Paling has been decent since coming back. Teddy Bluger never scores. I want to see how the fourth line is with Josh Archibald because he really surprised me this season. But I still think they need a little more oomph down there. And, you know, while I get that he doesn't want to trade the first um, to shed some salary, I do think that if you are all in, you should have that first out there if you think your team can win it. At least that's just how I see it. So I, I think he does need to be a little more aggressive than, you know, he maybe he's used to, especially with the moves he made this offseason. I just can't sit there and think that, oh, he, he likes them as it is just because, you know, I think GMs, we all know they lie all the time. Yep. No, this is all leverage move, and I think that's exactly <laughs> right. The right way to look at it is he likes the team right now on paper, but it might come to the point at the end of February where he goes, all right, well, now it's time to make that type of move. And I'm curious to see what that exactly looks like because, you know, we, we mentioned it. The Kasperi Kapanen, he re-signed for two years in the offseason. Brock McGinn's under contract, I believe, through the 2024-25 campaign. And 38, 38-year-old Jeff Carter, I mean, uh, you know, I'm curious to see what team would take that on if it's not a salary dumping trade. So, I mean, you know, what kind of upgrades can you make to the third line? It's tough. It, it really mm-hmm. is. And I don't know what that looks like, what fashion that takes, but the fourth line, you bring up a good point there because I am very curious to see how that develops uh, with the return of Archibald because I think Paling has played very solidly and Bluger for his offensive struggles, which seems like a you know a yearly theme with him this year, albeit worse than most. Um, I'm curious to see you know how that line kind of gels together because Bluger has had his moments, you know, whether it's as a penalty killing forward, you know, he's still very successful there. It's just those other aspects of his game uh, point blank, high danger chances, all those sorts of things that have seemed to escape him. So I, I'm very curious to see how that all transpires once we get closer to March 3rd. Um, I, I just think it's going to be so hard. And I wrote about this, how hard it's going to be to break up that third line because those pieces, um, to me, um, you know, I'm no NHL GM, but I'd just be hard pressed to believe those are desirable ones unless they are a throw in or the tack on or the player to be named later type of move. Um, unless you're attaching a draft pick to it, which, of course, you know, that's mortgaging your future. So it's a precarious slope. It's a tough one to battle um, if you're Ron Hextall. But I think there's something to be said about living in the present with your 35 years and older uh, core guys, and especially if Tristan Jari comes back here, which he's day-to-day. He's been, you know, practicing before uh, the actual team joint practices the last couple of days. So got to believe he's closer to coming back than not. Um, So I think we're really going to get a good look here over these next three, four, five games of what exactly you've got here with this Penguins team. And then that's, I think, when we see Ron Hextel truly evaluate it. And, you know, the reason for the timing of the press conference, kind of trying to get ahead of the news was my interpretation of it Mm -hmm. versus end of February when he's right in the thick of it being like, all right, I'll talk to the media now. And, you know, I'm right in the crunch time of making moves. I think we're kind of starting to turn the gears you know, the water's starting to flow a little bit and whether moves get made, what those look like, not entirely sure, but um, I, I think it's a little bit too early to say, and it's really going to come down to this, these next two weeks to determine whether they stand pat, whether they're active uh, for better or for worse. And I think all three options are viably on the table, even the one of selling. Yeah. And you know, they have a nasty schedule um, until then they got the California trip. They got a game on Tuesday against Colorado, which we're going to get to a little later on. They have a lot of Metro games coming up. They are, they're almost done, I think, playing the Western Conference this year, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, they still got three left against the Islanders, three left against the Rangers, one more against the Caps. 
you know, a lot, lot of tough games coming up. So I, you know, I do agree that he's going to really truly see what he has in this team. Yeah. The third line is a massive problem. It was very weird to me that they had a whole week off and the bye week and then plus the all-star break and you get your guys back and you're still putting McGinn and Carter out on your third line. I just don't really understand what the logic is there, but you know, um, I think we're going to dive more into that coming up in this second segment. We're going to look at some of the practice notes and why Penguins are finally getting some reinforcements back and you know why that you know could be a pretty decent big deal here as we get closer to the deadline as you know, this team is, they get closer to being fully healthy. But before we get into that, our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because, you know, want a better gut health. I sometimes want more energy in the morning because I'm a little groggy when waking up. So you're probably wondering, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're resorting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source superfoods to adapt to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things. It's also lifestyle friendly where you eat keto, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Also costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day and that's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, they're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticbeans.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. That is Andrew Destin of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I had a little case of the Mondays as I was finishing up our wonderful read on Athletic Greens there. But um, <clears throat> let's just jump right into our next topic here, Andrew. So, you know, Penguins are getting a little healthier here. You know, I did see the Lions for the most part. I liked that they put Raquel back up with Gensel and Crosby. I have heard that Crosby likes playing with Rust a bit more, but, you know, I think Raquel is the better fit up there. Rust has been fine next to Malkin and Jason Zucker, I think, has been the most consistent winger. I have no problems with the top six. Defensively, you know, we can say what we want about Brian Dumoulin. He's had a rough year. You know, he was playing a little bit better before the break. I'll give him his his curtains there. But, you know, the fourth line, want to see how it does with Archibald back and see if he can carry Bluger because I kind of think he was before he got hurt. It's just, as I alluded to before the break, Andrew, Putting Brock McGinn and Jeff Carter together when they have had hundreds of minutes at 5v5 together this year, below 50% Corsi percentage, below 50% expected goals, below 50% um, scoring chances. I just don't really get that. And, you know, someone like Drew O'Connor comes out, someone who I thought was playing really well um, prior to the All Star break. Um, do you know why, you know, some of these players just, you know, have more of a leeway over someone like O'Connor, who I think should be in this lineup on an every night basis at this point. Cause I could also say the same for, you know, Dan Heine. He was playing really well before the break. Finally was getting some games together where he was scoring, but he's also out of the lineup as well. It's just, you know, I think there's just some sort of, you know, a weird thing where even though you play bad, like McGinn has, um, he still gets to stay in the lineup. So I'm just not really sure why they're sticking with that kind of combination when it hasn't really done much this season. So I figured I would ask you about that as after I saw the lines. 
Yeah, I think it's uh, for this one, it's a financial investment, I, I think is really what it comes down to me. Money talks. And um, I think the last point about it, too, would also be that, you know, Kapanen's coming back healthy. He'd missed, you know, all the games since I believe it was he got injured January 18th against the Senators. He'd been out since then. So I think this is another example of, you know, we're getting a guy back healthy in the lineup, insert him in and see how that does with that group. But your point's a valid one, Hunter, because you look back at the prior statistics and say, this three, when it's been paired together, McGinn, Carter, and Kapanen, it hasn't gotten it done. But you get a little bit more leeway when you've got some guaranteed contract money, when you've got an extension, when you've got years on your deal, you know, you get more benefits of the doubt, right? It's, yeah. you know, and I think that's exactly what we're looking at here. And I asked this to uh, Mike Sullivan today, too. I was curious, with moving Carter back from the wing to center, what was he hoping to see from him there? And, and you know, and his answer kind of spoke volumes. It's that offensively we're not getting enough from the third line but defensively I really like what I'm seeing you know that that's kind of what the theme of it was is that defensively it's doing enough there just hoping that more time more minutes together will eventually lead to offensive returns you know it's not my place to say whether or not that's the right strategy but that kind of seems like what the approach is is that the defense is doing enough um, but there needs to be more in terms of offensive zone possession time puck in the offensive zone like that's what you're kind of gunning for you're looking for more of that. And, you know, Kapanen, who he is as a player, he's a speedy guy. He can possess the buck on those puck on the boards and, you know, crawl up that side. That's something that he's capable of doing. Um, and I think, you know, there's a point to be made that when he's out, that really negatively affects Carter, who we know isn't exactly the fastest skater at this point in his career. And, again, with the offensive struggles he's had, um, maybe, it, maybe it does lead to some success bringing Kapanen back in after – missing a small handful of games there and it can lead to things trending in the right direction. But um, I, I think, you know, with the fourth line, that's something under Mike Sullivan that also too, it's you're kind of looking for a different feel there with the third line. You're looking for something that's kind of a mix, a hybrid of strong defensively, but also can contribute offensively. Uh, you know, I've talked with the fourth liners about this a lot of, you know, how does your mentality change? Teddy Bluger for one asked him about how does your mentality change when you're, 4C versus 3C. Like, like, how does that change for you? And it's a little bit more about, you know, you're thinking about the offensive zone. It's You're thinking about possessing the puck there. That's more of an emphasis. But when you're on that fourth line, you know, if you're not scoring, you better not be letting any up. So I think that's why we've seen that even if guys like an O'Connor or Paling, when they've chipped in a couple of goals like they did against the Florida Panthers where they had some solid games there, uh, you know, and really found success there at the end, the fourth line was clicking, but – just because the fourth line is clicking doesn't mean it's doing so at a rate that's indicative of what a third line should be doing. Um, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of word salad, but there's something to be said about just because the third line is underperforming doesn't mean the slightly overperforming fourth line would do better than the third at its job. And you know, a 38 year old Jeff Carter to have him constantly be pressing, constantly on the forecheck for a fourth line. Um, I don't know if that's the results you're looking for either. And there's still the value of him in the faceoff dot too what he does in that realm. It's still something that is, you know, a positive effect on this Penguins roster. So uh, I think they're kind of banking on what do you get once Kapanen comes back into the fold and hoping that the, you know, marginal success they've had defensively, that can lead to some offensive success here too. But uh, to your point, Hunter, it feels like a while since we've seen, uh, you know, Jeff Carter put one in the net and the same goes for Brock McGinn too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's probably better off suited at the wing now in his career anyway. I will say, you know, you're right. He does well with face-offs. I will give him that. I don't like the deployment that I think he has at times. I think Mike Sullivan, it's a little foolish of him to think he can do these six-on-five situations late in games and stuff. I just don't think he's that kind of player anymore to put in that 
kind of situation. Um, but I mean, playoff time, if they make it, you know, even if they get someone at the deadline, he's probably going to be in the lineup just because that's how it's going to work. And, you know, I liked what you said, just third line deployment versus the fourth line. Um, you know, it, it, it is funny that the fourth line lately has been outproducing the third line just because when the Penguins have won their cups in 09 and 16, 17, they've had one of the best third lines in hockey. You know, I don't have to remind anyone about, you know, Matt Cook with Jordan Saul and Tyler Kennedy and then the HBK line two years in a row. Um, they got to get someone down there that can put the puck in the back of the net and also just drive play. You know, they're un- the underlying numbers for that line are really poor. And, you know, that needs to change in a big way because right now with how I think it's constructed, at least in my opinion, Andrew, you're asking for your top six to carry the water every game. You're asking for your goalie, your starting goalie to play well, but then you're asking for your bottom six to just not really allow anything at either end of the ring. It's just kind of like low event hockey is what I like to call it. You know, you're not really scoring, but you're not giving it back the other way. At least that's how I thought Hextall was kind of, that was his philosophy with developing this roster over the last couple of seasons. But, you know, you still need depth scoring if you want to if you want to win. That's how they've won um, three straight three straight three Stanley Cups in this era. Uh, but the other injured player that is coming back, Andrew Josh Archibald. Um, you know, I was not big on his signing. I will again gladly eat crow on that. He had four goals prior to being hurt. Hasn't played since mid December. Um, kind of a nagging injury. It sounds like he was carrying that fourth line. I felt like before he got hurt, Teddy Bluger actually had good underlying numbers next to Archibald. I, th- I think Paling ever since he he's come back has played well, but even his numbers now didn't compare to where they were when Archibald was there. Um, and also it was interesting that Hextall really shouted out Archibald during the press conference yesterday. You know, he almost made it seem like, you know, the bottom six went to crap just because Archibald got hurt. And I never thought I would ever hear a statement from a general manager about Josh Archibald in that kind of degree. But it was one that he said, you know, I think it just goes to show how much he values Archibald. And again, he's played well this year. I'm, I'm excited and curious to see how he fits back on that fourth line on Tuesday. But, you know, man, just very interesting to hear him say those things about him when he was asked about the bottom six by one of the reporters. Yeah, you know, it's uh, and it's an interesting point, too, because you mentioned there how much that fourth line benefited from having Archibald in the lineup. And it's not just the the fourth line. It's the penalty kill, too. I mean, this is a PK unit that's been great for the most part this season. But the stats, once Archibald went down, you can look at them. I mean, it's that stretch from mid-December up until now. uh, The PK has taken a a step back. It's had better moments from when Paling returned. That certainly boosted it. But when those two were out simultaneously, Paling and Archibald, that's really when we saw that line take a dip. And, you know, we talked about it earlier on here about how Teddy Bluger hasn't had quite the year up to his expectations. He said that verbally himself about how he has higher expectations than what he's shown this year, at least on the offensive end. Uh, I, I think the the point to be made about Josh Archibald is not that he is the savior, but more so that he alleviates some of the things that other players have had to do in his absence. And then that can therefore allow them to do more. Um, Brian Paling is, you know, by all stretches of imagination, not a 40-goal scorer. But he's a guy who can chip in 10 to 15 for you in a full season if he's playing 82 games and he's allowed to pursue that type of game. Uh, A very flexible, moldable guy. And you can say that about Archibald as well. You can say that about a couple of those guys in that fourth line. You mentioned Drew O'Connor. If you gave him a full season's worth of games, he's probably around a 10, 12, 15-goal scorer in a season, too. Uh, the problem has been that with no Archibald in the lineup, uh, it's forced other guys to take on roles that maybe aren't truly uh, representative of their skills or don't bring out 
their absolute best qualities, it's forced them to be those kind of aggressive guys. And, uh, you know, Sidney Crosby talked about it today is that, you know, when he's in the lineup, he does a lot of things that are really big for the Penguins winning hockey games. You know, that's being aggressive. That's being physical. It's being fast. You know, these are traits that, yeah, a lot of hockey players might have, but Archibald relies on them and, you know, exclusively use them on the hockey rink. So um, I think him coming back to the lineup, it really does speak volumes to how much the team needs those contributions from the bottom six. And I don't know necessarily if that has much of an impact on the third line, uh, but from a fourth line perspective, uh, it definitely impacts those guys, especially for a, you know, a squad that now is starting to get more and more healthy, getting guys back that maybe we can see what they're capable of doing at full strength, kind of like they were doing there at the end of November, early December. Yeah, I mean, that's when the team was, <clears throat> I think, arguably the best team in the league when they were just running through teams. Um, obviously, the injuries happened, which is unfortunate. But, you know, I thought the fourth line was really starting to cook um, prior to the All-Star break. The numbers were really decent, especially when Danton Heinen or Drew O'Connor um, were down there. And, again, it's unfortunate that O'Connor's not getting a shot. But, you know, that's you know, a discussion for a different day. But um, I think Archibald's going to make those numbers go up even more because, you know, they, they signed him just because of his goal-scoring ability in the bottom six. I believe he's about a – 10, 11 goal per 82 game guy. So that's what they, that's what you're getting out of him. And also again, his, his PK ability. And he also does throw his body around a lot. You know, he brings a lot of energy to that fourth line. And, you know, I think it's hopefully going to pay some big dividends as we come down the stretch here. Um, still have a little more to get to for this episode. We're coming up in our final segment. We're going to touch on the massive road trip that the Penguins have coming up. Plus just how they really need to start banking points here, starting on Tuesday against an avalanche team that has struggled a little bit this season, but they're starting to find their stride at least a little bit right now. But before we get to that, this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. You can download the app right now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 between the Eagles and the Chiefs with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to three thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win they will let you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will even score a touchdown again i said it last week i'm gonna say it again here i personally like the eagles money line in this one they've been the best team in football all year patrick mahomes is a little bit banged up still i know he played very well against the Bengals in the afc championship game but with how the eagles have been on offense this season and how their defense has really played as of late I like the Eagles money line in this one, that's for sure. It's on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel right now at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes. That is Andrew Destin of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. So, Andrew, big week for this team here. They got the Colorado Avalanche coming to town for the first time. First of two meetings this season. This is an Avalanche team that's kind of hanging on for dear to life right now in a playoff spot, but they have won seven of the last eight coming into this. They've just been really hurt all year, I think. Ranson's been hurt. Landeskog, I think, is still out, if I'm not mistaken. Um, McKinnon's been hurt. McCarr's been hurt at times, but... This is still one of the best teams in hockey. You have Nechuskin on their top line, Nathan McKinnon, Arturi Lekkinen, JT Comfer, old friend Evan Rodriguez, who I will still forever be mad that the Penguins did not re-sign during the offseason. Alex Newhook, Dennis Mulligan, Matt Nieto, Kale McCarr, who I think is the best defenseman in the league right now, Devon Taves, Bowen Byram, Sam Girard. That's a disgusting top four. They also have two goaltenders in Fran and Georgiev, who um, have been 9-17 or better. 
this is a big one for the Penguins, Andrew. Um, what are you really looking forward to seeing um, in this one for the Penguins? Or just what are your some keys for them to win this game? Yeah, the first one is uh, just going back to the names you rattled off there is, you know, look at the firepower that this Avalanche squad has. And I'm most curious to see, you know, whoever it ends up being that Mike Sullivan elects put in net, I'd be hard pressed to believe it'll be Tristan Jari considering he hasn't gotten any true team workouts in. But uh, so if it's between Casey DeSmith and Dustin Tokarski, um, how do you outscore this Avalanche team? That's uh, to put it quite bluntly there is just this is a squad that when healthy, when firing on all cylinders and all those guys are able to go. Um, they can score. They can outpace anybody in the league. So I'm really curious to see um, how the team approaches that. And I asked Casey DeSmith about this, about the term consistency, because it feels like it's been thrown around the team a lot lately about how they've had these high moments and these low ones, and they're kind of looking for a middle and ground. And Casey DeSmith is no stranger to the inconsistencies that have plagued the, play- the Penguins this year, and specifically in the month of January. Um, and-, and for him, he put it well. He was like, hey, if it's a 7-6 game or a 2-1 game, It's about me being a consistent presence in net. I'm curious how the Penguins can do to try and keep this one a tighter game because if this one gets loose and they have to outpace the Avalanche, be pretty hard-pressed to believe they're going to outscore this squad. Do have the benefit of home ice, but I'm really looking to see whoever's in net, can they be a stonewall in front there? And then on the offensive side, can they control possession? Can that top six continue to carry this team? And I'm really curious to see... What do the third and fourth lines look like? I mean, by all indications, Kapanen and Archibald are trending toward being game-time decisions, which we know is more than likely means they're going to play. <laughs> um, so if those guys are in the lineups, how do the third and fourth lines look? And how do they look like against those Avalanche third and fourth lines, which have been benefited? I mean, you bring up Matt Nieto. He's a guy that they just traded for a couple of weeks ago. He's benefited then since coming over from the Sharks. I mean, uh, this is a pen- Pens team that, you know, they're in search of points wherever they can. The Avalanche are the same case, but I feel like it's in a little different position because that's a team that now that it's healthy and has uh, all of its guys coming back, or at least most of its guys coming back, they're on a hot streak. They just have to continue what they're doing versus with the Penguins. Now you're getting the guys back. Can they go on that stretch run or not? And to do so with your first game out of the break against you know the reigning Stanley Cup champion, uh, that's no easy task. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. And, you know, I always look at Daily Faceoff because they have the lines, but they didn't have Ransom on there for some reason, but it looks like he's going to be ready to go um, for this one. It's just Landis Hogg, who he looks like is going to be um, out, and he's been out for a while, I think. It looks like Josh Manson's not going to play either. Darren Helm also out, and I almost sometimes forget that that guy is still in the league because he played in this in like the final back in 08 and 09 when they played the Red Wings. But, no, I definitely agree with that. You know, I look back at these two meetings last year between the two teams, two – you know, pretty decently close games. I thought the first game in Colorado, the Penguins was probably one of their best games of the season that they just did not win, but they controlled the play against you know, what was the top team in the league. They just didn't get the result. Second game, I thought they were the victim of some kind of nag goaltending, but they they got the chances I, I was I felt like. But, you know, for this one, you'd have to shut down their top stars. Kel McCarr is going to get his. You just know it. I mean, I think of him as a modern-day Paul Coffey at this point with how great he is. And that pair with Devon Taves is probably the best top pair in the league. But, you know, you got to slow them down. And, you know, can you get to two goalies who the Penguins have had, you know, okay success against? You know, they know Georgiev from his Ranger days. They played well against him, you know, when he came in for, I think, Shesterkin a little bit in the playoffs last season. But he's had a pretty good year. I wasn't sure about that move. He's over 917. Pablo Francois also over 917. It doesn't really matter which goalie they start because it's kind of been a 1A, 1B thing. But, you know, <clears throat> I'm really curious to see, you know, how they do against a team like this, especially, you know, 
the penalty kill too. You're going up against a power play unit that can throw out Nikushkin, Nikushkin, Ranson, and Lekkinen, McKinnon, and McCarr. You're lucky they're not putting Landis Cog out there. That's a big test for that unit, especially with Archibald coming back. So I'm, I always love when the Penguins play the Avalanche. I think the Abs are one of the most fun, most fun teams in the league to watch. Peter Forsberg was my favorite player growing up, so I always kind of had a little bit of love for them. But after that, um, Andrew, big road trip. They have the California trip. They go back to your hometown to take on the Sharks and the Ducks and the Kings before they close that road trip against the New York Islanders next Friday, which and then is another massive game because the teams are so close in the standings. Um, this team has to bank points here. You are only one or two points clear of the Buffalo Sabres, the Florida Panthers, and the New York Islanders. They have never been more vulnerable in all of the time that I've covered the team, let alone watched the team since I was a little kid. Um, just how important is this next stretch of games for this team as they try to bank points and maybe create some separation from some of these other teams chasing them? Yeah, it's huge because these are games, I mean, two of the teams I'll mention there right off the bat, you know, I mean, the Ducks and the Sharks, these are squads that they've already played this year. And one of them was a loss in regulation of the Sharks. And the other was a win against the Ducks that they shouldn't have had. Right. I mean, these are games that were close. They got two points against the two teams that if I'm not mistaken are in the cellar of the Western conference at the very least in the Pacific division. Um, You got to get at least two, at least three. To me, those are two must win regulation wins uh, against those squads especially because after they play the Ducks, it's the second night of a back-to-back, you play the Kings. And that's a Kings yeah. team that with the balance that they have between young talent as well as the Vets with guys like Dowdy, I mean, this is a team that has been playing very well this year. Um, and with that coming on the second half of a back-to-back, got to believe that's the type of game where you got your backup netminder in, whether that's to Smith or if that's to Karski, uh, dependent on you know Jari's availability, that'll determine that in part. But um, that'll definitely be a tougher effort against a much tougher opponent. So to me, what I'm looking at there is got to get to against the Ducks. If you can get a point against the Kings, great. If you can salvage it, a win would be tremendous. But then, you know, two, three nights later, then you have to get two against the Sharks again. This to me screams a four-point road trip, if not more, which as we know is a huge ask in hockey. But these are two teams that are in the bottom of the NHL. And if you can't beat these guys on the road uh, and you already struggled with them earlier in the year, then what more evidence do you need to believe that this team, hey, maybe they're not that special this year, right? If, if you can, if you lose to the Sharks at home, if they do, I'm not saying they will, but if they do lose at their place, then you're sitting in the mirror going, well, we're 0-2 against one of the worst teams in the West, let alone the NHL. Um, maybe you split against the Ducks. It's, you know, pretty soon you got to get the reality check of, hey, maybe this team's not so great. But on the flip end of it, if they go 3-0 on the road trip and get six points, uh, you know, leading into that Islanders one, then we're having an entirely different conversation. So um, it's a critical road trip, which if you had asked me in December, uh, if the road trip of Ducks, Kings, and Sharks was going to be the most important one on the schedule, uh, I'd probably tell you you're crazy. But I think that's kind of what we're looking at here, especially given the time frame leading up to the deadline. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, if you can get the two points, especially tomorrow against the Avs, and then go get uh, win two of those games on the Western uh, Cal- on the Western Canada, on the California road trip, excuse me, and then you can play well against the Islanders, a team that they just got better. They traded for Bo Horvat. They just extended him. You know, that'll, I think, hopefully really turn the season around for this team. It's just, you know, can they do that? And hopefully during that time, can they get their number one goaltender back? You know, just relying on Casey DeSmith has just, it's, it's boomer bust for him. You know, I, I keep saying it's Jekyll and Hyde. You don't know what you're going to get with him. 
Um, so hopefully Tristan will be back sooner rather than later so he can start some of those games. Hope, maybe he'll be back for the weekend. They keep saying he's day-to-day. He's been skating before, taking some shots. We'll have to see when he takes on the full practice. And then I think the big key, Andrew, is him staying healthy because he's just been injured way too often these last seven, eight months. But um, I think that might do it for this episode. I you know, really appreciate you coming on for the first time. We're going to definitely have to do this again at some point during the season. Andrew, you know, just let the listeners know where they can follow you on social media. And of course, um, if people are not following your work, where can they can find it? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, on Twitter. You can follow me at Andrew Destin one. That's Andrew, normal way you spelt. And then D is in dog, E-S-T-I-N one, the number uh, on Twitter. And then check out post-gazette.com uh, to read along with some of my work, as well as my colleague, Matt Benzel, uh covering the Penguins as well. Uh, you know, feel free to check out our content there and keep up to date with us on Twitter. Yeah, definitely check him and Matt's work out. They do a great job covering the team, and you know we'll have to see if Penguins can get off on get back on the winning note on Tuesday as they will play the Avalanche. I'll have a full game recap episode coming up after that one, and then we'll preview the California road trip um, in more detail a little later on in the week. So, again, thank you all so much for listening. Andrew, thank you for coming on, and we'll have another one of these on Tuesday.